0: This is the People in Their Work podcast. I am Professor Doug Gardner in the Student Leadership and Success Studies Department at Utah Valley University. In this podcast, you will hear the first-person stories of people journeying through their education, work, and career decision-making. Sam shares the story of how he got into teaching and how he advanced through several roles within education. Recently, Sam retired and shares his plan for how he is going to make retirement meaningful. Part of Sam's story illustrates the powerful role of mentorship. I think I'm going to start my story going back to when I was 11. And the reason I I want to go there is because it was a rough time for me. I, uh, I watched my dad lose his job. I could tell there was stress in the family, but at 11, I really didn't know what was going on. I knew that his company that he had worked construction for had, had folded and, and gone under. I knew that he was now looking for work and doing what he could do to, to make ends meet with a family of nine children. What I learned from that experience is that I needed to go to work. I started working when I was 11. I was a paper boy, think that one of the the main values that I came from that was we need to work hard. When you work hard, typically good things happen. I did that and then I had an opportunity to work for my brother when I was starting out in college. He worked construction as well. He said, when you're on my job and I tell you to go get something, you don't walk you run and get it, and you run back. So again, I want to emphasize that importance of you be in the moment and you work hard wherever you are. If I'm a college student, think that that's something to be applied. You can't expect to be successful in college without working hard. And if you're gonna spend the time playing, then you'll pay the piper. But if you work hard, typically your grades will be good and that dedication and effort that you put forth will be something that you can look back years later and say that paid off. One of the things that happened to me as a college student was I had decided that I wanted to become an architect. I was in the building construction program at Brigham Young University and uh, going through that bachelor's degree and I got a a call one day from my former head football coach. And he said, hey, I'd like you to come and help work with my football program. We revere our coaches. I just think that's something that, um, even though they may be tough on us, I think that uh, that respect and, and the way that we, we revere our coaches has an effect on us. And this coach, uh, his name's Frank Henderson, He's still coaching today, even though he's not a head coach, but he is having influence on young men. And he has coached at many of our local high schools here in Utah Valley. He's currently at American Fork High School as an assistant coach. But 40 years of coaching and uh, helping people, and I just, again, I revere the man. When he called and gave me an opportunity, I started with the freshman. Then I worked my way to sophomores and so forth and got up to be the defensive coordinator for Provo High School. Well, during that time, I'm also going to college. And I'm also working a part-time job. What happened was I had kind of a transformation. I enjoyed working with young men and being with the youth. From that experience, I then got another phone call. And this phone call was from my drafting teacher. He said, hey, Sam, I'm going to be retiring next year. Have you ever thought about teaching? And so I graduated from Provo High School. I was helping with the Provo High football program. And I had this opportunity to now look at a possible job, an actual start a career type of an opportunity. I knew that I would have to apply. I knew that you know it wasn't gonna be handed to me, but I knew that the person that was retiring was an advocate and that he felt like I might be somebody that could replace him. He had helped me throughout my sophomore, junior, and senior years in high school, had taught me engineering, architecture. We had spent hours and hours together outside of the classroom in that same drafting lab where I would work on projects. His name is John Roylance. My only regret in my relationship with him is I didn't go back and spend time with him. We would talk to each other every once in a while. Once I had moved on, and it was years later, I didn't go back and thank him. And then he passed away. He says, Hey, have you thought about this? So now I'm thinking I'm going to architecture school at the University of Utah. My wife's father is an architect. I'm thinking I'll go into the family business kind of a thing. And now I've got a dilemma. I thought one thing, and now some other opportunities have presented themselves. When I think about those two men, they had a a very positive influence on me. I had to have a talk with my wife. And uh, when I approached her, I think she did what most um, loving spouses do, and that is, she said, well, you do what you think is best and I'll support you. After some more thought and pondering and praying, I made the decision to apply for that part-time teaching job while I was trying to frantically get my student teaching aligned and all the other coursework that goes along with becoming a teacher, because we all know it's not just about skill set that you bring, it's also about all the pedagogy and management of classroom and all the other stuff that goes along with it. I really had to work hard that next year to finish all of the requirements. Because I was hired, I had to teach half time. I'm very, very grateful for a peer teacher named Dave Creer who was the teacher at Tempview High School, our rival high school. As soon as I was hired, he jumped in and shared everything that he had with me. Dave is one of the most organized and thoughtful kind people I know. He's a great leader. He had the marquee drafting program in the state of Utah as long as he was teaching. He just ran that type of a, a ship. And so for me to be able to learn from him and to collaborate with him back then, we were doing the things that teachers do today. Back then it was, you're in your own little kingdom and you do whatever you do. And a lot of teachers just were by themselves. And Dave Creer and I spent hours and hours together refining the curriculum, working summers together, doing things that helped me to become a better teacher. So I'm very, very thankful to Dave for the effort that he made. I have one year, if I want to have a full-time contract, I have to build the program. Drafting is an elective type class. You can get practical arts credit for it, but you have to sell your program and if you don't do that, then you're not going to be uh, a successful teacher and your program will wane until it finally dies. I was working on my degree. I was trying to figure out this teaching thing, and then I was trying to build the program all in the same year, and I was very fortunate, again, hard work pays off, that next year I had built a full-time program. And so from there, it was just fantastic. I loved it. I will say this right up front. My most enjoyable years in my 35-year career of being an educator were teaching. The daily contacts, the, the daily aha moments with kids were priceless. What I, what I learned from that experience was that I selfishly, needed that reinforcement from the kids. But I had great mentors, those three that I've already named, and they all taught me that you have to spend additional time with kids. And so Dave Creer, as well as John Oylance, they would have their drafting labs open at night. They would have their drafting labs open on Saturdays. And so other than during the fall time when I was doing my coaching right after school, I would have Saturday labs then, but once that season ended, I could have labs after school. What I found was that one, very few kids had drafting tables at their homes, right? So they came. We were able to build relationships with each other and to have experiences that you can't just have just within the classroom. I loved my teaching, but I was also building something else, my family. As my children came, I started to see that even though I was teaching and I was coaching. I was serving as the department chair and working in the cafeteria during lunch so I could have free lunch and working dances and doing everything that I possibly could. At that time, I needed to increase my income. We had decided Uh, my wife and I, that she would be a stay-at-home mom, and I wanted her to be with the kids and to do that nurturing that is so important. We decided that I would go back and get a master's degree. I got that in educational leadership and got my certification so I could be an administrator. I really did not intend to go and move into the administrative side of education, but I knew that a master's degree increased your pay and allowed you to have some more freedom to do different things. One of the challenges was that As I was finishing up that master's program at BYU, of course, my professors were saying, hey, you know, you probably at least want to be applying for some jobs, just so people know that you're interested. And then you can decide if you want to go back into the classroom, or if you want to take an administrative job. And so I did that, and I had a few negative experiences. Not everything just lines up. There were a few districts that I applied to and got the uh, letters that said, thanks but no thanks. We're uh, hiring our own people. I had the opportunity to look at my district where I worked, Provo. They didn't have really any openings. And so I applied in Alpine School District, was offered a job, and made a very, very difficult decision, and that was to accept a position as an assistant principal at American Fork Junior High School. I left the classroom, and that was the hardest year of my career. I literally went into a depression. I had a very, very difficult time, again, because selfishly, my ego needed to be stroked, I guess. Again, I needed that exposure to working with the the kids. I loved them, I wanted to be with them, and now all of a sudden, it was a different kind of an environment. And yet, I am grateful that I was able to do that, staying with the theme of working hard. I was fortunate in that same year that I was finishing my master's degree, I was hired as what's called the headmaster, which is like a principal, for a private school. I would work my day at American Fork Junior High, and then at night I would go and work. They had an evening school for the students, and that allowed this private school to hire public educators to come and work with kids. I did that as well. I would finish my day very late, leave early in the morning and get home sometimes 8 or 9 o'clock, and just in time to say good night to the kids and eat some dinner. And I did that and worked at American Fork Junior High. Then I moved to American Fork High School and worked there. During that time was part of the split between American Fork High and Lone Peak High School. Um, I was asked to move over to Lone Peak and help open up that school. And so from about March until June of that year, I was working to move into a new school and then a strange thing happened. The principal at Provo High School left. I was notified by the HR director that there was a vacancy but it was unique in that he let me know the day before the position was closing. I was busy trying to get ready to open up Lone Peak High School. All of a sudden, another opportunity presents itself. I wrote literally on a napkin my letter of uh, interest and handed it to the Provo School District HR director and had him then say, now you've got about 12 hours to complete your portfolio and get that turned in so that you can officially be considered. Well, lucky for me, I was a student at Provo High, graduated from there, was a teacher there, and uh, now I was offered the position to be the principal at Provo High. I did that for seven years. Loved it, worked very hard. When you are a principal, you've got to make sure you are as available and visible as you can be to try and, and uh, make sure that you go to as many of the events. A good thing about that job was I could take my kids to the after-hours activities and uh, games. Fortunately, many of them liked those things. It was a great opportunity to connect with my own kids but also be there and take care of leading a a high school. I did that for seven years and then had an opportunity to move back over to Alpine School District. For the last 16 years, I have been working at what they call a cabinet level position, working directly with the superintendent. I started out as the supervisor of high schools for Alpine School District, did that for eight years. The assistant superintendent retired. I applied for that job, was fortunate to be hired and did that job as an assistant superintendent of all of Ed Services, did that for three years. And then for the last six years, I have served as the superintendent of schools. What that means, when you are the superintendent, you're like the CEO of a corporation. In this case, um, being the superintendent means that you're responsible for over 80,000 students, over 9,000 employees, you're responsible to all of the students' parents, as well as a seven-member board. That board is made up of elected officials who are on a four-year term and they rotate typically where uh, at any one time three or four might be up for election on a given year. Those seven board members are the people who hire and fire the superintendent along with the business administrator. So when you make the leap from having been a public educator and you become that person that's going to lead the district, you no longer have longevity. You don't have the security of any position there's no guarantee and so I feel very very fortunate that I was able to serve as the superintendent for 6 years I think the average time frame of a superintendent is about 2 years and that's that's usually the length of a contract and then you renew or they move in a different direction and so there are new board members coming in and you're you're working with new people as well as old people. Remember, you have that whole group of students and principals and every employee that you can imagine that has to be there to take care of an organization. Where we have uh, 92 schools, you can imagine what that would look like. I found that I enjoyed and I loved the 35 years that I was in public education, but I also know where I really had the most joy. Other positions were great. I worked with some wonderful, wonderful people. The successes that we had did not come because of me. It came because of a team that worked very hard together, who had a common set of values and goals that we worked on. We established our vision for learning we focused on the whole child, not just the academic part of the student. I feel very grateful that we were able to bring in additional supports for students to get help that they need so that every school has access to a psychologist, a counselor, and this is even the elementary schools now, to a behavior specialist, to a nurse, and others on that team that work with teachers who are struggling with students in their classroom, they're no longer on their own. They have people there to give them support. Same as for principals. Principals will get into struggles or administrators uh, trying to help and work with students that are, are um, behavior defiant or struggling in other ways. And I feel like that together our team was able to make the learning environment more helpful for students because A teacher isn't trained to be a psychologist. They need that support from the expert that can say, hey, have you tried this? When you have a social worker that's part of that team, they look at things through their lens and in many cases can go and make home visits to help the family overcome some struggles. So I feel very, very good about what we were able to do during that time that I was in the position as superintendent as well as the other years that I worked there in Alpine in the cabinet level position. The biggest most important thing to me is my family. In addition to our six children we now have 14 grandchildren with a 15th on the way. I'm looking forward to spending more time with my family. There have been many many times when I wish that I could have done some things that my work didn't allow me to to do everything that I wanted to do. I feel like we have good relationships with our kids and grandkids, but now I can emphasize that more. I'm looking forward to bike rides and backpacking and going to where they live in uh, different parts of the United States and, and being able to be in their environment. Um, rather than waiting for the time when they come maybe in the summers to uh, see us. That's number one. I have hobbies that I enjoy doing. I love working with wood and making things out of, out of wood, turning things on a lathe. I love some of the activities that I already mentioned. I love riding my bike. Um, I, I enjoy getting up in the mountains, backpacking and doing some of those things. So far with the things that are laid out, I'm going to be really busy at least through uh, the summer months. I love working in my yard, taking care of, of that. And if anyone has ever been a homeowner, they know that there is a constant battle with patching and fixing and redoing things in your home. So those kinds of things are, are what I'm looking forward to. I haven't uh, ruled out the idea of continuing to work. Now it's kind of, I'll get to choose if I want to work part-time or full-time again, but I do think that there are still some good years left where maybe I can help out and continue to serve in one capacity or another. I never aspired to be a superintendent. Just tried to do what I could to contribute and to help lead, and things worked out. And again, I feel very blessed and fortunate. So, those are some things that uh, are on the docket for me as I start out this new period of my life called retirement. I am Doug Gardner, and this has been the People in Their Work podcast. Music by Christopher Weiss. Images are from the UVU Roots of Knowledge stained glass exhibit by Holdman Studios.